It's the Christmas stocking. I'm Lee Cameron. I love all kinds of Christmas music. Hymns, R&B, standards, rock, you name it. I think my favorite religious Christmas carols are the simple ones. At least at the moment. I'll be honest, I really do like it all. But the symmetry of a simple melody and lyrics with the simple event of a baby being born in a humble situation really resonates with me. Maybe that's why I like O Holy Night so much. It's another story of the desire of a small church to have something special for a Christmas service. It's a beautiful, simple song, although the message isn't as simple as you might think. This is another story of the desire of a small church to have something special for a Christmas service. It was 1847 in Rochmar, France. Placide Capo was approached by the parish priest to write a poem for Christmas Mass. On one hand, it was a nice, normal request because Placide was a poet of note within the community. On the other, it was an unusual request because Placide was not a religious man. He rarely attended church. But he respected it and was honored by the request and agreed. Placide was the commissioner of wines and he took a coach trip to Paris. That gave him a lot of time to think. He was blessed with no cell phones to distract him. He thought about the Gospel of Luke and the Christmas story, and he imagined himself there. What would it have been like to witness the birth of the Savior? As you might imagine, he was inspired, and despite the bumpy ride, he found by the time he reached his destination that he'd composed Minuit Christian, which means Midnight Christians. Placid knew he had something special. He could feel it. He also felt that it was a song, not just a poem, and should be set to music. Placid was no composer. Luckily, a friend of a friend was the son of a famous classical musician and a famous composer himself, Adolphe Dom. He wrote for orchestras and ballet companies worldwide. Now here's where the story gets a little complicated. Many sources say Adolphe was also Jewish. Other sources say he was not. Let's assume he was Jewish for the moment. This would be more a work for a friend and setting music to a beautiful poem than a religious exercise for him, and he wrote a beautiful melody to the poem which pleased both Placid and the parish priest. Three weeks later, the song made its debut at Christmas Eve Midnight Mass. Adolphe called it the Cantique de Noël. It was an instant hit and spread to Christmas services at other Catholic churches. Then Placid Capo left the church completely and joined the socialist movement, and the leaders of the church said that Adolphe Adam was Jewish. This was before Irving Berlin and Mel Torme. Suddenly, this beautiful Christmas song was unfit for church. In fact, a French bishop said it was terrible for, quote, lack of musical taste and total absence of the spirit of religion, unquote. This was after years of being played in the church. It wasn't unfit for the people, though, and it continued to be sung in celebration of Christmas outside of church, and it spread outside of France. About 10 years after its debut, a Unitarian minister from Massachusetts named John Sullivan Dwight discovered the song and brought it to America, publishing it sometime between 1855 and 1858. But John saw more than a Christmas song. This was the time of slavery in the United States, and the Civil War loomed. Wikipedia says the literal translation of the third verse from the French says, The Redeemer has broken every bond. The earth is free, and heaven is open. He sees a brother where there was only a slave. Love unites those that iron had chained, who will tell him of our gratitude. For all of us, he is born, he suffers, and dies. John's lyrics were not literal, and his third verse of O Holy Night says, Truly he taught us to love one another. 
His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. It's still the same idea. It turns out Placide was anti-slavery and John believed strongly in its abolition. He translated and published the song in his magazine and many others felt the dual pull of the song. It became very popular, especially in the Civil War North. I have to tell you, it gives the song more depth for me too. There's a legend, I don't know if it's true, that in France during the war with Germany in 1871, a French infantryman on Christmas Eve braved the fighting to jump out of his trench to sing the opening of Cantique de Noël. Fighting stopped, everyone stared at him, and he sang the whole song. Then a German soldier left his trench and sang the beginning of a Martin Luther hymn. Fighting stopped for 24 hours to observe Christmas. Sound like another story you may have heard? If you haven't, look up the World War I Christmas truce. It's the 100th anniversary of that, and it's a very similar story. Supposedly because of that original story, the hymn made its way back into the church. But wait, there's more! In 1906, on Christmas Eve, college professor and former employee of Thomas Edison, Reginald Fessenden broadcast his voice for the first time ever and he read the story of the birth of Christ from the Gospel of Luke. And then he played O Holy Night on his violin. He did this in Massachusetts too, by the way. The first ever broadcast on the radio. Can you imagine the miracle that must have seemed, Mike? The iPhone has nothing on a voice and then music ringing out of speakers that had never had more than pulses because there were telegraph operators who could hear that. The world was never the same. Again. What a history. No wonder O Holy Night has remained one of the most sung, most recorded, and most played hymns. O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin. It is the night of our 
Amon Crystal doing his version of O Holy Night from an album he calls The Music of Christmas and Stories Behind the Songs in the Christmas Stocking. He has the story of that and many of your other favorites in a beautiful booklet that comes with a CD. I'll give you links to buy the album at mychristmasstocking.net. I have to thank one of my biggest supporters in the last few years, Nancy from Nebraska, who has again floored me with a generous Christmas gift. Thank you, Nancy. It really helps. Merry Christmas, Nancy. Now, do I want Nancy to have a merrier Christmas than those who have not given? No. I want everyone to have as merry a Christmas as possible. And I believe Nancy wants the same thing because she is so generous. It's the Christmas spirit. MyChristmasStocking.net, click Contribute, or you can go directly at Contribute.MyChristmasStocking.net, where you can also click Call Me to share your favorite childhood Christmas memory, a favorite memory of your child's Christmas, a Christmas tradition in your family, wish someone Merry Christmas, whatever. If you don't want to click Call Me, you can just dial direct. It's not toll-free, but a lot of us just have free long distance anyway. 323-487-1225. That's pretty easy to remember. 323-487-1225. Thanks for all the Twitter support, Robbie the Elf. Also, Christmas Time GB in Great Britain. And Fallas Mom in Washington, D.C. Twitter.com slash Xmas Stocking. The Christmas Stocking is on Google Plus. Plus.google.com and search for the Christmas Stocking. Hello, Valerie. Hi, Vivian. Hello, Troy on Cape Cod. And hi, Lisa, Dominic, and Tracy in Kentucky, who have been supporting the Christmas stocking on Facebook.com slash Christmas stocking. Check out the new Zazzle store with the new logo-fied merchandise. Anything you buy on Zazzle when you start at MyChristmasStocking.net helps the show. Also, start your Amazon shopping there, and that will help the Christmas stocking just a tad. I'm Lee Cameron. In the next Christmas stocking, I'm planning to take a trip to Europe to look at a country's holiday traditions. Well, that's the plan, at least. Come back and see if things went uh, according to plan. <laughs>